Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ESPN NBA insider Jay Williams joins Wolf and Luke to talk NBA and the Suns. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUclinics.com to schedule an appointment. All right, we are supposed to talk to Jay Williams here shortly. Wolf, the uh, the trade deadline in the NBA now is two weeks from this Thursday. So if you're going to trade Jay Crowder, which I think we all agree they are, uh, that's going to happen here in the next two weeks. Any sort of big move they plan on making is going to happen in the next two and a half weeks. So this is this is it now. This is a big part of, of what's going to happen with this team is in the next couple of weeks. And I believe, if I have the dates right, that four weeks till uh, Devin Booker is reevaluated is like tomorrow. Okay. So we've got two potentially big moments coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, um, the drama, of course, is Jay Crowder right now and the trade deadline looming February 9th. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday that we got knocked off the air and suddenly Jay Crowder decided he was going to go out and he was going to tweet something out. It was, what was it? The emojis? Yeah, it the hourglass, it was a clock and it was another hourglass. The hourglass, the clock, and another hourglass. What does that tell you? Um, it's only a matter of time. Maybe he was responding to something his agent told him recently. Maybe he's just responding to the fact that it's a couple of weeks away. Do you think we should just, from the show account, tweet out one cryptic emoji message every week? You know, that'd be kind of cool, right? We, we really have to like get together and like the come together on what it is, though. Yeah. I can't stand emojis. I never use emojis unless, of course, I'm dealing with a warrior queen. Don't ask why, ladies and gentlemen. But emojis overall, I just, please, t- speak English. <laughs> well, he's already tried the get type, me out of here. Type it out. A- you know approach. I mean? He's already tried words that hasn't... Uh, hasn't worked yet, although if anybody wanted to explain what actually happened behind the scenes, I'll listen to... If you tell me, if Jay Crowder tweets out, okay, I'm not going to say what happened behind the scenes. I'm not going to say it in words, but I'll put together an emoji message that talks about oh. that. Alright, I'll decipher your riddles, Jay. Man, that would be so cool. Be diabolical. Jay, did you hear that right now, what Luke said? Yes, Jay. Jay well, Crowder, did you hear this, that? This that would minute. be so cool. Tell us what happened in emojis. But do it in emojis so nobody can ever say like, oh, yeah, Jay Crowder's the one that kind of sold everybody out. No, just say it in emojis, whatever it is. If and it is, leave it. Yeah, you don't ever have to follow up. If it's... It, if it's whatever happened in Game 7, the <laughs> Dallas series, it's, it's why you're not playing for the Suns this year. I get it. You can't say it in words, but you seem to have the capability to type emojis can, can on your phone. Can we throw that out there right now to our, our listeners? Our listeners of the Wolf and Luke show right now, if you're listening, could you send us, could you send us what you think, Jay Crowder, (laughs) what he would do if he was just going to use the emojis to tell the story? What you think happened to him? What you think happened to Jay Crowder? (laughs) Do nothing but use emojis and send it to the Wolf and Luke show. We'll go ahead and retweet that. We'll we'll decipher those. I I, seriously, that would be funny for real. Um, So either way, he's getting. Traded, and that's coming up here in a couple weeks. I, I, let's circle back to that uh, story from earlier on the Rui Hachimura trade. 
Am I crazy to sit here and think, okay, this is what the Lakers gave up for Rui Hachimura? The Suns could expect something similar, or at least ask for it, because you got to go back like a month, right? It was whenever they were in that that weird vortex of the schedule where they were playing the Wizards twice in like a few days, and in that moment, it was, hey, Rui Hachimura for Jay Crowder. That almost happened. Okay, yeah. Well, what the Lakers gave up to get Rui Hachimura yesterday was Kendrick Nunn. And three second-round picks. Now, I know the Suns don't really want picks right now. Right. But is that about the range? Maybe if you don't want picks, maybe somebody just a little bit better than Kendrick Nunn? Is that it? Yeah. It's really interesting. What are you going to do going forward? That is a question you've got to ask yourself. What What would you be willing to give up knowing that you're, you're probably going to acquire a guy that you want to extend? That's what the Lakers did, basically, yeah. with Hachimura. Hachimura is not a bad player. I mean, he's averaging 13 points per game for his career and he was a top 10 pick just a couple years ago yeah no doubt but they they at least the reports say they're ready to actually extend him this summer so we'll see if that actually is the case but don't you think don't you feel like maybe james jones going forward and the Suns, especially when you let it be known that you're willing to move a player and move some of your draft capital and actually take on salary that you let teams know that right now, man, um, I think the Suns are getting ready to acquire somebody they can long-term, not just short-term. Well, and that's that's the goal, right? Now, it still doesn't really explain why we're in this position where you've played almost 50 games without Crowder, and he's just been sitting there tweeting emojis, but, uh, but as much as that has been talked about and on this show as well, it doesn't matter if you make a good trade here in the next two weeks and you get somebody back that's going to help you win playoff games. Then nobody's going to care about the first 50 regular season games. If they get healthy, make the playoffs, like the playoffs, yeah. top six. Not, oh, we got it in the number nine. Look how playoffs. great we are. Get in the top six and you've traded Jay Crowder for a usable piece. Nobody's going to care about the first three months of the season. Yeah. I find it interesting. What does it say about Chris Paul and the future of Chris Paul with the Phoenix Suns when we all think the player they want to acquire is a player that is probably going to be a backcourt guy? Um, a wing player, yes, indeed, but a backcourt guy specifically that you may be looking to sign to a an extension, <laughs> a long term. I, I get the feeling, I think we all do, that James Jones is not looking at a short term fix. Like, okay, uh, this is a championship team. We're ready to win a championship. He's looking more long-term. What does it say about the status of CP3 going forward after this season as well? I think it's a smart move if you can pull that off. What is Chris Paul, you start to get into the point where it's not all guaranteed money next year. Um, I don't know. If Chris Paul's back next year, do you expect to see him playing that much in the regular season? Like I, th- sure is. I think there would be room for Fred Van Vliet. I think it would almost be Booker with Van Vliet and Chris Paul would be... <sighs> that's weird. Not an off-the-bench guy, but a guy that's just not playing that many minutes or no, he's just, missing 30 I, games yeah, or whatever. I don't see that happening. Yeah, no, I don't I know. Really don't. I think a lot have to eat some of it. I, I think a lot hinges on what this season ends like. You know what I mean? If it ends with them winning the title, I think Chris Paul retires. Yeah. Uh, it just, it's so dramatic, isn't it? Precipitous Masonians that we're in this situation thinking about Chris Paul based on what we know last year. 
You won 64 games last year with Chris Paul and suddenly he turned 37 and we all wondered what was going on. And um, until recently, he didn't look like Chris Paul in the beginning of the season. We all agreed on that as well. All right, I'm going to throw this out there. Uh, This is Gambo just tweeted this out, what, 10 minutes ago? Uh, he said, I don't see the Suns having interest in Rozier, Van Vliet, or Quickly. Those are the three names. Oh, that no. Not sure a 6-1 scoring guard is a good fit for the Suns, which Rozier and Van Vliet are. And Quickly, who would cost you a first, is 6-2. Not a good fit with Paul. So that really is the question. Is, wow. is what is big picture with Chris Paul? Now, I guess if you make the trade you know, tomorrow, Chris Paul's here. Right? You're not, you're not pushing Chris Paul out the door. Um I don't know. We'll see. I, I would take Fred Van Vliet. I don't really care how tall he is. I would take Fred Van Vliet. Now, oh, you know, if Gambo says something Gambo like that. Gambo just broke it for me. There's usually some truth to the the notion that maybe the Suns feel that way if Gambo's tweeting that. And so if that's the case, that's that's pretty uh, important to the conversation, certainly. But I'm just telling you, if I was running the team, I would find a way to be able to fit Fred Van Vliet in there. Unless i got to give up some absurd amount of stuff to get him. You know yeah, what I mean? No, I'm with you on that. All right. Sucks buttermilk. When we come back, uh, back to football, some first-round comparisons are out there. Who would you take at number three if you were the Cardinals? And we're going to look at this through the lens of the veterans these guys are being compared to. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, I get that it's still the NFL playoffs going on, Wolf. But for those teams that didn't make the playoffs, it is uh, it is already NFL draft season. And that, of course, means comps. I know how much you love comps, right? We play some of those old draft capsules. What are the, see, they were comparing yeah. uh, Patrick Mahomes to Jay Cutler. I would say that worked out better for Mahomes. I would say he overachieved. <laughs> uh, but some of them you hear, and they're, they're pretty close. And some of them you hear, and it's just like, wow. <laughs> Looking back with the benefit of hindsight, you're like, okay, that wasn't uh, anywhere near where it was supposed to be. Just incredible. Patrick Mahomes, the his mental toughness. Mental toughness. Why in the world would you ever say that? Mental toughness. I just heard a coach say that the other day, and it drove Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, Texas Tech. No one has shot up the draft boards quicker than this Red Raider. Mahomes has the arm talent that NFL scouts crave in a quarterback, which he inherited from his father, who was a major league pitcher. He enjoys putting on a show, including throwing the ball 70-plus yards from his knees. Mahomes racked up some serious stats in the Texas Tech Air Raid offense, but the downside is his lack of time spent under center. He carries himself a lot of swagger and confidence, which often leads to deep ball attempts down the field. NFL comp, free agent quarterback, Jay Cutler. Free agent quarterback at the time, too. Yes, the mental toughness is redundant. Toughness comes from within, as we all know, and that's what Patrick Mahomes has in spades. Toughness. I just love that. The fact you've got a guy so talented, so incredibly talented, the arm talent, the Jay Cutler-like talent, yet inside, Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady. Yeah, I don't know if, if Jay Cutler were in the position Patrick Mahomes is right now, if we would see him on Sunday or not. And even if we did, he would just have that look on his face like, okay, I don't really want to be here. Uh, so I've got in my hands right now 
Okay. Yeah. This list of uh, first round players with first round grades. This is courtesy of ESPN. Players who have first round grades, true first round grades. So like they don't have any linebackers on here. They say there's going to be linebackers taken in the first round probably, but none of them have a true first round grade. Okay. So I have the players with the true first round grade and their NFL comps. So how do you want to play this? Why don't you just throw some players at me and I'll give you their comp. I mean, there's two we're obviously looking at at number three in the draft. Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you just go ahead and give me the player. Will Anderson is the guy that comes to mind immediately, of course. Yeah, so Will Anderson, they have Von Miller as his NFL comparison. Von Miller. Von Miller. Pretty good player. Yeah. Would you like to have Von Miller coming off the edge? I would like to. Like prime Von Miller. Von Miller at the start of his career. Healthy Von Miller. Yes, I would take Von Miller. Who else do they have? Well, they have a lot. I mean, they have like they have guys that probably won't be players the Cardinals are looking at at number three. But the two guys that they are most likely looking at at three are Von or Will Anderson would be Von Miller in this case, or Jalen Carter out of Georgia, who would be Fletcher Cox in this case. Okay, can we stop with, we right there with Jalen Carter? Um, you t- you tell me that Jalen Carter is going to be Fletcher Cox, and I will tell you right now that I'm going to draft him at number three. So even if Will Anderson's there, let's say the first two picks are quarterbacks, yes. and you're sitting there and you could take, and I know the comps, this is an exact science, we're just doing this for the fun of it. Yes. If you're telling me I could have Fletcher Cox, start of his career, or Von Miller, start of his career at number three. Yes. You would go with Fletcher Cox. I'm, there's no doubt about it. And the reason why I say that, based on audience, is because the most disruptive force in the football universe is a three technique that is dominant. That is the most disruptive. Isn't that right, Aaron Donald? Isn't that right? You got a guy who is a a three technique that can dominate a game. Now, all of a sudden, you have gold in your hand. Because that three technique is going to work against the run and dominate against the run as much as he's going to dominate inside and get an interior push on that pass rush. Fletcher Cox, I, I'll take that guy's career right there. Are you going to tell me Jalen Carter is going to be Fletcher Cox? Sold. For what it's worth, they have Will Anderson as the top graded player. This is just this is ESPN, but they go Will Anderson, they go Bryce Young. They go Jalen Carter, and then they go C.J. Stroud. Those are their top four players. But they did all their first-round grade players, like number five. Not really an option for the Cardinals, but they have B. John Robinson out of Texas, who they compare to Saquon. And honestly, I see it. I see that one. Okay, I'm not looking at any of the names you have in front of you right now, but Bryce Young, I find that fascinating. Did they comp him to Randall Cunningham? They comped him to Tua, actually. Oh, my. Really? Yep. I don't know about that. Must be a, a, it's got to be the height thing, right? They comp- He's slight. He's really, really slight, which is why I would comp him to Randall Cunningham. He's a little whippy to me yeah. when I watch him play. Uh, they comp C.J. Stroud to Dak Prescott. So maybe not the best time to get that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> but in general... I think he's a much better athlete. Yeah, I don't... C.J. Stroud... Honestly, I'm not a big Ohio State guy. Absolutely could come out of this draft as the best quarterback when we look back in five years, don't you think? 
I think he's got that kind of talent. I just don't know personally um, what he's made of. I don't. When you talk about a quarterback, you have to know the person. You, you can watch it on tape. You can and get some type of idea. But until you've got that intel as to how this guy thinks, what makes him tick, who he is, uh, it makes it very, very hard for me to evaluate a quarterback because so much of that is about what's in his head. Maloney put the uh, Von Miller draft profile in here, so I'm going to play this. How crazy is it going to be if they're like, his comp is Will Anderson in 10 years? Von Miller. Outside linebacker. Texas A&M. At 6'2", 237 pounds, Miller fits the bill for a 4'3 outside linebacker, and some also view him as a great fit for a 3-4 scheme. Whichever defense he plays, the theme will be common. Get to the quarterback. Miller got to the quarterback 33 times during his four-year career at Texas A&M, with nearly half of those sacks coming during his junior year. Last year, Miller recorded 10.5 sacks but he was hampered by an ankle injury during the early part of the season. Miller is expected to go during the early portion of the draft. He is not expected to last through the top five spots in the first round. Some see him as the surest thing in this draft, although scouts believe he needs considerable work on his pass recognition and coverage skills. (laughs) There was no comp after all that. That's awesome right there. Look, he had a pretty good career. He still has a pretty good career. We'll have to talk about Von Miller in the past tense, even though he's hurt, and now the Bills are out of the playoffs. He's had a pretty good career. So in terms of being one of the surest things in the draft, that was a pretty good draft, as it turned out, but yeah. he, he was a pretty good player from that draft. kind of laughed right there was coverage skills. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was it, coming out. Yeah. It's something altogether different, of course, as to what he's developed into. Nothing but an edge guy. It's kind of like Lawrence Taylor when he first came out. Bill Belichick used to line up Lawrence Taylor on the edge and drop him off into coverage every now and then just to keep the offenses honest. Because they looked at Lawrence Taylor. Everybody, every offensive coordinator said, that guy is a defensive end. We're counting him as a defensive end. Do not count him as an outside linebacker. We're not going to put a running back on Lawrence Taylor to block him because he will destroy that running back. Probably true. Absolutely true. Didn't he destroy everybody you put on him? Everybody. So they would say he's really a down lineman is what he is. But every now and then, Bill Belichick would drop him off into coverage. You tell me, Basin Orleans, what is that? What is he doing? That was the very beginning of a zone blitz. It's the first time you ever had a zone blitz. And the reason being is because he had a tackle out there setting on nothing but air. Because LT would drop off into coverage every now and then. It's just interesting to hear Von Miller and the the coverage skills. Yeah. something he's going to have to work on. Not really. No. Because you're going to rush him every day. He did just fine. And I want to get back into this again later on. Because I think the conversation now becomes if they were Fletcher Cox and Von Miller... And somebody made you a nice offer for that number three overall pick. Would you still be inclined to stay there, or would you be more willing to trade it? We'll, we'll throw out some of the other players. Let's talk maybe, about that. Maybe next. dropping down to Texas. Your thoughts on the Fanduel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. This response comes from the nine two eight. Any possibility Aiton is being held out for a trade scenario? Oh, the conspiracy theory. I like it. We come back. The Suns are starting a four game winning or staring a four game winning streak in the face. Rather, so how will that impact the team tonight? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hi. 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 Hi.
Play tonight. Wolf back at it, looking to uh, make it four straight. We'll talk to Kevin Ray in a little bit from Valley Sports because it is a game day, which means we need K Ray. But just on on the surface here tonight, you're playing Charlotte. First thought I have is this is the sort of team that if you really are turning a corner right now, this should be maybe not an easy win, but an automatic win. Yeah, it it should be for the Suns right now, the way they're playing over the last three games, as we know. Um, yeah, they're looking for their fourth win in a row. How does this impact the Suns? How does this impact them going forward? That is the question that I'm going to ask. Do you think they're going to look at this as some type of significance playing the Charlotte Hornets? who have won 13 games. I think at this point, if you're the Suns, I know it sounds cliche, but I think for the most part, you aren't even really that concerned with who you're playing. Correct. <laughs> I th- but but I just, from the from our perspective looking in, I mean, they, they probably had no business beating Memphis twice in the last, what is it, four weeks? As evidenced by that 30-point loss they had to Memphis last week. But uh, but a game like this against Charlotte, who has struggled all season long, who has some talented players, but they've also been banged up, and they're just, you know, they're not they're not a true contender. 13-35, and 35, if you're trying to right the ship and you're trying to start stacking wins, this is the sort of game that, that you shouldn't stumble in. You know, we were talking before the show, and you brought this up about last year, of there were... There were times where they would play a team like this last year, yeah, and it would it would almost be like they were either disinterested or they would toy with that team, but then they would take over in the fourth quarter. And again, you're missing players. I don't expect them to go out there and win by thirty tonight, but it should be a win. Yeah, it should be a win. Listen, the Hornets they played Utah last night. Tonight is the back end of their back to back on this current road trip that has them playing four games in seven nights. Four games in seven nights. They have only 13 wins, as I said so far. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. The It's not like the Hornets are playing well. This is a game the Suns should go out and win. There's just no denying it. How does that impact them? That is the question that I ask. Because going forward, as we were discussing, and as you intimated once again, momentarily, just a few seconds ago, you were talking about how it was for the Suns last year. It's the truth. Every time they'd play a team they were superior to, and it was not even a question, for whatever reason, it seemed like last year, Basinonians, the Suns would have a problem putting them away until the fourth quarter. <laughs> when the fourth quarter rolled around. Okay, I guess we're played for keeps. Clutch time. That's, yeah, crunch time, clutch time, whatever you want to call it. That's when suddenly they'd lock it down in the fourth quarter. It was their best quarter against a team that they knew they should beat. They'd lock it down, and especially the last five, six minutes of the game, they'd win that game. Isn't that right, CP3? Just have to wonder what's going to happen tonight and how they're going to play tonight against this team. I can tell you what I don't want to see is a repeat of that Wizards game on December 28th where there was all that talk about, hey, are the Suns, maybe they're going to get Rui Hachimura. And then it was like, ah, they're not going to get Hachimura. And then he went out and put 30 on them. 
Well, they're playing Terry Rozier tonight in the Charlotte Hornets. So I don't. <laughs> and Terry Rozier is is a scorer much more so than Hachimura is. His last three games: twenty six, thirty four, and twenty three. Some of the eighty three points in his last three games. Like he yeah. can score. He's averaging over twenty one a game this season. He's gonna get points tonight. But this is a game that if you are serious about turning this around, and look, I'm not trying to be hot take guy. If they lose the game tonight, it doesn't like end their season. <laughs> but this is the sort of game you should win, right? This is the sort of okay. We're trying to build something here. What Mikel Bridges said, winning is contagious. That needs to show up tonight. Here's Mikel. Yeah, just yeah, we definitely need it. Come home, get this home stretch. Um, it's just the trust and confidence and getting guys back is, is great. Um, yeah, it's just once you get that winning feel, it's it's, it's contagious. And it's just we all have, we all feel it and we all know what that that feeling is. And since we went in three. We just, we just want to keep it going, keep going. Got a lot of catching up to do. That has kind of gotten lost in this too, Wolf. It is a three-game winning streak, all three games at home. This is a five-game homestand, and they are 3-0 and on it so far. So, And I've heard a couple guys now, if you kind of listen to what they're saying, that maybe that was a point of emphasis coming back from that really disappointing road trip where they ended up going... Uh, one and three, but even you know before that they had the six game road trip where they went one and five. So they're, they're, what is that? Their last nine road games, they're two and seven. So two and eight. So um, maybe there was a point of emphasis internally of let's really start to turn this around on our home court. And if that's the case, you have a chance to go four sure. and zero tonight. And I won't tell you who the fifth team is because it's yeah, unimportant do right, now. right now. What do you want to see? What do you want to see tonight from the Suns in a game they should win? What do you want to see? I'd like to see Cam Johnson put up. 20. I'd like to see Cam Johnson play and put up 20. How's that? In a win. Yeah. You know, for me, again, I, I'm thinking more of the team and the team overall. I, I want to see the team. I want to see them continue to play better on the defensive end of the floor. That's what I want to see more than anything else. I, I want to see him rebound the basketball. Believe it or not, the Charlotte Hornets, one of the best rebounding teams in the league. They're good at rebounding the basketball. Rebound the basketball. I knew it was inevitable. You knew it was coming. I was, right? was going to ask for it. I, I, you know, that's part of the physicality of the game, too. That's what it is. And I, I really like the way they've been going about their board work. I'd like to see him rebound the basketball in a more physical kind of way. Continue to do that. I, I want to see them play a, a nasty, dirty, gritty, smelly, old-fashioned, tougher-than-you game. That's what I want to see. I want to see an effort game where they win on effort more than anything else. Counterpoint. Is there any night you wouldn't like to see that? <clears throat> yeah, you know, yeah, sometimes you just got to be more talented okay. than another team. And I'm not saying that this wouldn't be a golden opportunity to do that against a team that has won 13 games. The, the Suns are a more talented team, even now without Devin Booker, even now without DeAndre Ayton, even now they're a more talented team. But I just want to see that. That nastiness come out in this team would that you, they had last year. Would you be upset if uh, Jock Landale and Bismack Biombo combined for twelve fouls again? Like no, they did the other I'll night? take that. Sold. And Dario Saric had five. So what is that? Seventeen fouls between three of you guys? <laughs> okay, yeah. The the center position, of course, brutal. Just hacking everybody, and that's what they did. Isn't that right, Biz? <laughs> He hacked, he hacked everybody. I love that. Be physical in the paint. 
The only updates we really have health-wise, uh, DeAndre Ayton is back at the Suns facility this morning. He was under the weather uh, weather for a little while there, but he has only been upgraded to doubtful. So don't expect to see D.A. tonight. He's not out, but he's doubtful. Yeah. And the campaign is going to get reevaluated in another week. So you're going to have, it would sound like, I would assume, Chris Paul. Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges of your starting lineup out there. Nothing so, on book, right? Nothing on Devin nothing Booker. On book, but I, I, I do think, I remember, yeah, I'm pretty nothing. sure this was supposed to be the last game before the four weeks was up where he would be reevaluated. So, I mean, they, they could say that stuff and it might be two or three days later or earlier or whatever, but I, I'm assuming we're getting closer to that reevaluation. We are also less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57 and Bud Light FanDuel and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. Text SUPER to 620-620 to register and listen for your name starting February 6th and you could score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you're going to win tickets to the following events, the FanDuel Party, Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So text SUPER to 620-620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. All right, we come back. If you could ask each of these Cardinals coaching candidates just one question, what would it be? We'll get into ours next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I tell you, you start to try to put together a list of all the coaching candidates that have been linked to the Cardinals. It's uh, it's extensive. It took me the entire break. I think we're up to nine now at this point. Wow. But, um, but let's focus on just a couple of them, Wolf, because not okay. all these guys are obviously in serious contention at this point. So the game here is we throw out a name, and you get to ask that coaching candidate. You're in the room, right? This is your dream scenario. You get to sit in the room for these interviews. You get to ask one question. So Michael Bidwell, uh, Monty Austinfort, Dave Sears, they're all sitting down with with a coach, and they're like, okay, the interview's almost over, but Wolf here gets to ask you one question. Yeah. I'll jump in with a couple. I've I've got some for some of the main candidates, too. Yeah, okay. They're probably going to ask the questions that I'm going to ask, just so you know. I would would assume so. But the number one thing, let's take Sean Payton. Start with Peyton. Let's, let's take wow, okay. Sean Payton right, let's right start now. Start with Sean Payton. Okay, so what here we are. What is the one. number one thing? Just think about this, space and audience. What What is the one question you would want to ask Sean Payton? See, this is, if it can only be one question, I'm just sitting here. I've got like five in my head for Peyton. Everybody else, I can narrow it down to one. For Peyton, I've got like five. Okay, good. Do you want to go with your five right now? Can I? <laughs> because uh, let a, me give you a two. producer says, no, Luke, you can only pick one, and there's no follow-up. <laughs> well, I think here, okay, just for the purposes of conversation, I would want to know what he views Kyler's strengths and weaknesses as from his perspective. What does he view them as? Okay. But my my other question I just want to throw in there, yeah. maybe as he's walking out of the room. Right. Like, well, sorry, Sean, I have one more. Do you see any similarities between Kyler Murray and Drew Brees? Because mm. that's the connection everybody's like, oh, I coached Drew Brees and Drew Brees is short. If that's the only connection... That's not enough of a connection to me. Okay. But, but if he sees other similarities, I, you know, I'm already interested in Sean Payton as the coach, but I would be a little more interested in what he had to say there, too. Yeah. For Sean Payton, it's a question I would ask that I would not ask anybody else, any other of the coaches. But for Sean Payton, the one question I would ask him, based on what kind of offense do you envision with Kyler Murray as your quarterback? That was one of my other three questions. Please, right here. Tell me what kind of offense you envision. What is it? What are you going to do with him? 
We, we all know the talents of Kyler Murray. We all know the things that gives Kyler Murray issues. I, we, I want to know what kind of offense, what scheme. Go ahead and grease it up for us, will you, Sean? I want to know what kind of offense you're going to put Kyler Murray in. By the way, if you don't end up hiring Sean Payton, that's the most important question, the one you just threw out there. Because if you don't hire Sean Payton and you hire Dan Quinn or Brian Flores or whoever else, you would at least still know what sort of offense Sean Payton would put Kyler Murray in. And that means a lot. Yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's not the question I'd ask Dan Quinn, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> Just so you know. Oh, yeah. No, I'm saying Sean Payton specifically. If I hired Dan Quinn, knowing what Sean Payton would do with Kyler Murray, what sort of offense he would put him in, yeah. that matters to me. Because now I have that knowledge, and I can go hire Dan Quinn. Once again, for the listener that's riding around out there, it's only one question. You only get one, Luke. All right. Well, Dan Quinn, I have, I have one question and one question only. Okay. So where we go, we're moving on to Dan yeah, Quinn right. at this point. Yeah. What can you do with Isaiah Simmons? Oh, or maybe a better way to put it is, do you see Isaiah Simmons as one position or six like we've been using him oh for the last goodness. couple of years? Yeah, that's interesting. Because he does have Micah that's Parsons. Oh, so I'd love to know. And Micah Parsons has been pretty good his first two years under Dan Quinn. I did not think about that for Dan Quinn. Okay, I'll tell you mine momentarily, but you kind of hit me with a flat shovel in the face here in that was the goal. to this. Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, what are you going to do with Isaiah Simmons, Dan Quinn? What would you do? Can you put him, can you make him Micah Parsons light? He's not Micah Parsons, but he's got a lot of talent. So why, how, like, why can't he be Micah Parsons light if you put him in a similar role instead of, oh, this, uh, this, okay, this player corner? So, in other words, you want him in the box off the ball from time to time, like Micah? You want him on the edge, of course, lining up? I'm tired of moving him around. This okay, player, well, the, the corner Michael this Parsons, player, they, they put him around the a balls. little bit, but but yeah. not not okay. You're a safety, and now you're right, rushing. Right, it, it just, right. it, it, I don't feel like you know my expectations for Isaiah Simmons coming into this season were absurdly high. Like I thought he was going to make such an impact on defense that he was going to be the sort of player you're like, okay, this is the anchor of our defense next year, other than Buddha, obviously. Yeah. And we're not there. He wasn't bad, but we're not there. So maybe maybe we focus him into one area. To me, the biggest benefit of hiring Dan Quinn is what he can do for guys like Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, that's, that's honestly, I'd love to know what his plan would be for Isaiah Simmons. I'll tell you what mine is. Stick him in the box as the weak side inside and tell him, this is the position you're playing and do not move him. <laughs> there we go. So in other words, you know what? They're going to run isos at you. Bam! Take that iso on. Take it on and stuff it in the box. Okay. How I'm, much? I'm getting way. Before we get to your question for Dan Quinn, fired. Because now you're just yelling at Dan Quinn in the meeting. I, I, it turns out. <laughs> Before we get to the point where you're yelling at Dan Quinn in the meeting, I would not be yelling at Dan. How much of this is what's going on? If you're Michael Bidwell and you're Monty Austin Ford, okay, we're going to sit down with Dan Quinn. Well, with Dan Quinn, we're going to ask him how he would use Isaiah Simmons. <laughs> right. Maybe we don't hire Dan Quinn. I don't think that's what they're doing solely with him because he's getting a second interview. Okay. But there is a benefit, right? We interviewed Sean Payton and, and Dan Quinn and all these other guys, and we ultimately went with Brian Flores or whatever. But along the way, we found out what Sean Payton would do offensively around Kyler Murray, and we found out what Dan Quinn would do with a guy like Isaiah Simmons. That is useful knowledge. Yeah, no, it is useful knowledge, but that's not the question I would ask. What's your question? My question would be, what makes you think you're the guy to get Kyler Murray right? Well, you'd ask Dan Quinn about Kyler Murray. I hope, yeah. 
What makes you think you're the guy to get our quarterback right, Dan? <laughs> Do you think they're going to ask him that question? Well, yeah, I'll guarantee you they are going to ask him that question or, or something very similar to that right now. What makes you think you're the guy to get him right? Why are you confident that you could do this? I think it's a great question, and I'll bet you Dan's got a really good answer for that one because he knows it's coming. Well, it's funny because the team gets to ask more than one question, obviously. <laughs> right. What That's if right. interviews were like that, like speed dating <laughs> interviews? All right, okay, here's Dan Quinn sitting down. Hey, Dan, what's going on? That was your one question. That's, Sorry. That's what you're going to ask me? That one thing? That's it? You got what your you one joking? question. Um, so certainly all these guys have to be asked about Kyler. Dan Quinn's the one guy on this list that I don't have a Kyler question for. But you want to move on to Vance Joseph before we hit the break here? Yeah, let's do that. Because I think Vance is another in- intriguing one. We'll try to get to Brian Flores, Especially too. Especially coming off the Dan Quinn. What makes you think, Dan, that you're the guy who can fix Kyler? Go ahead. Because I think my question for Vance Joseph would be, look, man, of all the guys we're interviewing, you've been here. And I know some people are holding that against you, but let's spin it into a positive for a second. Based on what you saw two seasons ago when Kyler was really good and this past season when Kyler was just kind of average, what was missing? What does he need? What does Kyler Murray on a personal level need? Because you've seen behind the scenes. Even Sean Payton hasn't seen behind the scenes. You just totally ripped off my question. You've got to be kidding me. Well, in advance, how does your relationship with Kyler Murray on a personal level help him be a better quarterback? That's my question to Vance. How is that? How does your relationship with Kyler Murray on a personal level help Kyler be a better quarterback on a professional level? That's what I that's what I would ask Vance. And I'm sure Vance was asked a question that was very similar to that as well. But Vance Joseph. I think Vance Joseph is in the mix. I hope that he is. I think whether this is intentional or not, we're kind of going through, since we can't go through all the candidates, the four, because I'm going to throw Brian Flores in here too, the four that are probably towards the top of the list, right? And there may be another guy that's in the mix, but it sure seems like Sean Payton, Dan Quinn, Vance Joseph, I would say Brian Flores, and maybe yes. there's one other one. What would your question be for Brian Flores? How can you get Kyler Murray right when you struggle to get to it right? Yep, that was... Is that it? Is that what you were going to ask? Mine was going to be a version of, of what went wrong with Tua and yeah. what would make this different with Kyler. So, yeah. yeah, it's basically the same question. Same question right there. Brian Flores, um, I think he definitely is in the top three. Brian Flores right now. It's just a gut feeling that I have going forward. We'll see how it all transpires. But I guarantee you, those answers to questions like that are critical to them getting the job. Since we kind of parsed this out, is that the biggest knock on Brian Flores right now? That whatever happened with Tua? Yeah, I would have to say so. Because I, I feel like if somebody, and I know we, we've played the audio of Kenny Pickett saying, okay, this guy was huge for me. He's, he's our defensive yeah. coach, and he was huge for me. Uh, O.J. McDuffie talking about he's from the, the Bill Belichick school. He's worked with Tom Brady. If you put the work in, he's gonna be, he's gonna be, you're going to thrive under this guy. But I think that's the biggest thing. If somebody could say, if you could come back from the future and you could say, Brian Flores is going to be, he's going to be good for Kyler. It's it's not the same situation as it was in Tua. Or you could you could tell me what was going on with Tua in Miami. Um, I, I think he's he's right there. Like he's one or two for me in that case. No, it's, it feels like that's the biggest yeah. knock on him. Yep. Uh, all right, we come back. 
Take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Dowd. Your lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.